With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. All right, Visa and live from the NBA Summer League. Jonathan Tobel, happy to be joined by Amino Hassan. Uh, you've got a lot going on. So I don't know, like Sluggy is Sirius XM, Sports Radio, NBA, NBA Radio. Uh, you've got Metal Lark stuff, Basketball Illuminati, really good yep. podcast I listen to as well. Uh, and Cinephobe, too. So you're a man of many talents. How's Vegas treating you so far? Oh, Vegas is having its way with me. Yeah. As you can probably tell from my voice, it's just a little bit more of a gravel to it. Yeah. And, you know, some people might find that, like, dark and mysterious and swarthy. <laughs> I just find it very inconvenient that since I have to speak for a living. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, I got you. Uh, so let me ask you this. So you, you, when you were with the Suns, did they have Summer League at that time? Yes, yes. So I'm a Vegas native. All right. So from my perspective, watching this thing grow has been pretty incredible. From somebody inside NBA circles, yeah. where it started to where it's at right now, what's that been like? Uh, unbelievable. Uh, you know, I was telling the story the other day. In 2007, the NBA All-Star Game was in Las Vegas. Yep. And it was... It went well. Yeah, <laughs> as you can tell by, by Jonathan's voice. It was a bleep show, yeah. right? And Vegas did not show its best face yep. that week. Uh, that weekend. How much, Some of that was Vegas' fault. A lot of it wasn't. It was just people from out of town, and they didn't know how to handle it. So I think the concept of NBA basketball in Las Vegas, immediately after, was like, hell no, never, never again. And what's happened in the 15 years since that weekend uh, was, you know, really the growth of this event here in the summertime. And it's night and day. Yeah. It is now such a, a respected destination. We have Summer League here. We have the G League Showcase in the winter here. Uh, they have recently moved the Rookie Transition Program, which used to be done like in August in New York. Now they do it here in, during Summer League. Vegas has done a complete 180 in the eyes of the NBA. And a lot of it is thanks to Albert Hall and Warren Legary who created this event and put this event here and run this event. They do a first-class operation every year. They make it grow. It's a little bigger. It's a little better. We had a little bit of a step back because of COVID. Uh, Last year, I I remember telling people, this feels like 2010 all over again. It was smaller. It was kind of quieter. But, you know, Warren and Albert, those guys, they pushed the, the pedal to the metal, and here we are. This is just amazing what it's become, and and I, I you know I, I have a very close tie with summer league. Not only coming here as a team uh, employee, but and not only as us also uh, obviously as a uh, media member. Mm-hmm. But I worked for summer league in 2000 summer 2012. Oh really? I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, I am a summer league alum, and so that's why it's to me it's it's more personal than just oh it's a great time. I'm I'm invested in seeing this thing be. Uh, 
the marquee NBA event on the calendar, to be honest with you. And so, like, a lot of people, like, there's it attracts a lot of people, right? Mm-hmm. Like, the other day, I was leaving, and I almost, like, physically ran into Lou Dort, and I right. almost died because the guy's huge. But you get a lot of guys who come in and travel, want to see the teams. Yeah. But Vegas is also a really underrated basketball town. Like, UNLV back yes. in the day was really well supported. Yep. I always tell people one of the premier off-season um, events was Kings-Lakers when they would come out yes, here. Yes, the, se- pre- the preseason, preseason game. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, right. they, this is dope out here when it comes to basketball. I think Kobe Bryant dunked on Ben Wallace yeah. here. It was a Thomas and Mack right here. Uh, no, this is this is a very very big basketball town, as you said. The legacy of UNLV of Tark and the guys like Reggie Theus and Larry Johnson and uh, even guys like hell Lou Amundsen yeah. and and Joel Anthony. Lou like, is a good name. Man. <laughs> look, look, that's that's Vegas basketball, man. And, and beyond that, think about the AU tournaments that are held here every summer. Think about all the college tournaments that are held here every spring. Like this place loves basketball, man, unequivocally. And you know, it's one of the things that makes this a great event and a great city to host this event because it's so embracing of the game. So let's, I want to get you pick your brain executive wise, because uh, let's start with this event first. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you watch these games, you know, mm-hmm. it's funny. So I'm a basketball nerd. So I'm watching, I'm like, man, I really enjoy this. This is great. But the quality of play is not awesome. But from an executive standpoint, like, what are you looking for outside of like, because I think we know like the rookies, right. Paolo Bencaro is not playing the rest of the way. We saw he's really good. Right. <laughs> to me, the more intriguing pieces are like a Ty Ty Washington for Houston, how he's going to pan out eventually. Andrew Nembhard for Indiana. Mm-hmm. Like these guys who are really big names but had good combine showings or something like that and looked like they could be quality pieces. What are executives watching at these games? So uh, when you talk about your own team, the first thing you're looking for is, you know, it's nice that Paulo Bancaro, you know, scored 20 points a game or whatever it was and looked very effortless. I want to see that he knows what we're trying to do, right? Most of these guys have been in like a mini camp of about a week or so. We're introducing bare basic versions of our sets. You know, some of it is just literally generic NBA play calls like floppy. Yeah. Fist up or whatever, but some, sometimes it's like, no, no, this is a play that we actually run with the varsity team. We want to see you execute, learn and execute uh, our terminology for you know different defensive coverages. We want you to see you have some comfort and uh, like um, eloquence or, yeah, fluidity, or yeah, fluidity with, it, yeah. with yeah. it, right? And then obviously your work ethic, uh, how you interact with teammates, how you interact with staff. Like you are on evaluation this whole time. And uh, then once we talk about your play in the game, are you making the right plays? It's not that you score or yeah. did you, are you making – it's not that you made the big block. Are you making the right place? Were you in the right place in the right time? Did you get that block because you're supposed to be there or because you messed up somewhere else and now this is how you make it up? Same thing with scoring. You know, it's, did you get the shots that you're going to get? Because here's the reality, and I use this example a lot. If I'm playing one-on-one on my 11-year-old mm-hmm. and I score on my 11-year-old – win 21-0, no one's patting me on the back. But if I lose to my 11-year-old, people are going to ask, you, what's going on? Yeah, right. right? Same thing here. Like, Paolo Bancaro, you scored 22 a game, whatever it is. Great. No one's writing a postcard home. Like, Paolo was amazing. And you see what he did at Summer League? It's like, that's what you're supposed to do. But had you been completely outmatched and outgunned, that would have been a different story. And then finally, your year two players in, who aren't that many this year. Back yeah. in my day, we used to make our second-year players play. You know? Some of them are killing it this year, too. So, the ones who are playing. Yep. Giddy yep. and uh, Josh Christopher's Quinn playing Grimes really well. Quinn Grimes has been awesome. Quinn Grimes. Yep. Uh, 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 who's the, the – Tor- Yep, yep. Uh, Toronto Raptor kid, uh, Delano Benton. Benton, yeah. Yep. So, so those guys, we want to see you, A, look comfortable out there, B, kind of show a little leadership. Yeah. Teach these younger guys, the, the next generation – how we do things, how we approach practice, how we approach, uh, you know, uh, the game, the, our terminology, all these things of how you carry yourself. Hell, take them out. Take the young guys out to dinner 
on you because you're the vet. You've got your paycheck. Remember, those rookies, they don't get paid until October. That's a good point, yeah. Right now, they're still living on, like, a cash on credit. And credit cards <laughs> and all that. So this is the opportunity to learn how to be a leader. One thing I remember, I think the first summer league where we did a tournament, uh, the Warriors won it. Mm -hmm. And on that team was, like, Kent Bazemore and uh, – Did Draymond play? Draymond yeah. Green absolutely played. And um, – you know, you could see the beginning, the seeds of this guy's going to be a leader one day. At the time, it's like, what, this second-round pick who's an undersized guy out of Michigan State who had an okay rookie yeah. year? Okay, yeah, but he had all those things, and he was doing those things out here on the floor. And I believe a lot of that stuff translates as you move on in your career. See, and a lot of people will tell, will tell me, like, that doesn't mean, really mean anything. But I think there's, like, kind of seeds planted, right? For example, I think it was two years ago, the Grizzlies won mm -hmm. the Summer League. And that was, yep. like, a really good core. And we see it now. Like, Brandon Clark, they, those yep. guys have now translated to really good NBA players. And I think, like, those kind of things are important. I'm not running away from this and, like, betting guys to win Rookie of the Year and stuff. Right. But I think you see the seeds. Like, I think, okay, see, in, like, three years, we're going to be talking about how good that core is when, right. we, when we look back on this. You right. Know? And, and, you know, the opportunity to build chemistry and all those things. But the reality is it's all what you make of it, right? If you as an organization say, oh, it's just summer league. I just want to see my guy go up there and get some, some shots up. Yeah. It can be that. But if you're someone who's invested in, in culture, you know, that's a buzzword, right? And doing things a certain way, whether it's at the NBA level, whether it's our G League affiliate level, whether it's our summer league level, right? We do it this way. This is how we do it. So Wherever you go, it's not like, oh, no, now we have a different system or a different approach to these sort of things. If you can maintain that consistency, and obviously that needs consistency in who's running the show, yep. consistency on who's coaching the show, like, and those faces around there. But it translates over, and, and you see it with you know, uh, Golden State. You see it with Memphis. You see it, I believe, the Cleveland Cavaliers yep. now. Uh, Miami, all these places that do it the right way. They don't look at this as just a you know a ten day trip in the desert. They look at it as an opportunity to get better as an organization. Yep. All right. So I want to pick your brain on the big story of the offseason, obviously uh, Kevin Durant, all of that kind of stuff. But I wanted to approach it from this standpoint. First off, we get the report a couple of days ago of the asking price of the Minnesota Timberwolves. Yeah. But for me, I'm like, isn't that bargaining? Right. Like, don't mm -hmm. you ask for the moon and then accept the stars? Essentially, when you're talking about bargaining. Right. So there's this conversation of the price being watered down on Kevin Durant. Like, what do you make of that in terms? Like, he's still one of the best players in the NBA. Right. He can still provide something is it the price is down on Kevin Durant or is it teams looking at the Nets like you really don't have any leverage guys leverage is everything in this <laughs> yeah. right so one of the things that's really screwed the Nets over was the Gobert trade yeah. because if Gobert goes for five picks when Durant must go for 500 picks in every player you've got which right. is basically what they told Minnesota give so us your they, roster yeah. yeah give us your roster and we'll give you Kevin Durant and if we're, if we're using the transitive properties like from algebra, like right. 2x equals 8, that means x equals 4 or whatever. That means 5x equals 20, right? If we're doing that, then, yeah, Durant is worth that much because mm -hmm. Gobert is worth that much to you. So Durant's more, worth way more than that. That wasn't them actually looking to get Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards and, you know, however many picks. That was them saying to the league, can I cuss? Yeah, sure. We're right. recording. Don't come to me with your bullshit offers, yeah. right? This is, this, is, this is like them in, you know, the group chat of your fantasy football right. saying, hey, uh, you want Brady? <laughs> you got to give me your entire roster. And like, oh, oh, no, okay, then, then don't call me that, mm -hmm. right? That's their stance. So they've got to let it out there that just because we look weakened and, you know, vulnerable, don't think that this is a time you can take advantage of us. Yeah. But the reality is they're not in a great situation in, in terms of getting fair value because Durant – as dictated, he's got two teams. 
And you might point to, hey, he's got four years left on his deal. What can he do about it? But the reality is, if you're the in incoming team or the, um, the accepting team, you're like, well, he can do what he exactly just did to Brooklyn. Right. And, and throw my, my stuff into a tizzy. So why would I give up my two best young players and 600 picks or whatever? Mm -hmm. To have the same situation happen to me a year later, until Durant opens up his list to teams that actually have assets, not Phoenix, who are all types of messed up over that Aiton thing, yeah. not Miami, who, sorry, Tyler Hero's not enough for Kevin Durant. I, I would agree with you right? yeah, there, yeah. Unless you open up to other teams, then it's going to be very difficult for Durant to find a new home, which... I'm kind of feeling like, man, I think he might start the season in Brooklyn. Really? So yeah. that's interesting because from a betting standpoint, right, some of the markets that have this up, mm -hmm. uh, Brooklyn has become the favorite for him to play his first right. game with them next year. Right. And it's not like overwhelming. I think like plus 300, something right. like that. Uh, but that has been kind of the case. And I think, and you could tell me more from an executive standpoint, this being the longest offseason that the NBA has had in a while now, right. that kind of helps things in terms of dragging it out, yeah. right? Because if you're the Nets, like, I, I got until October, man. Like, right. I can sit back and see whatever. And I would think if you're a team that thinks Kevin Durant is the piece that pushes you forward – well, by the time you get to, like, August, September, you're probably like, mm, all right, we'll give you that. You know right. what I mean? Like, I would assume it helps Brooklyn a little right. bit. Yeah, like, it, the, the closer we get to the start of the season, the more the kind of desperation. That's, all the, that's what all NBA deals come down to. Who's more desperate to do this deal, yeah. right? Who's more desperate to do this deal? Who needs this more than anybody? Bradley Beal got a, a, a no-trade clause in his, uh, his five-year deal with the Wizards, right? Mm -hmm. He's a max player. No one argues that. Five years, no one argues that. Did they have to give him a no-trade clause? Probably not. But guess what? They felt like, hey, he's been here he's, since day one. He's always been about being here. Yeah. But the other thing is also, who would be more devastated about him not being there? Bradley Beal or you? And the reality is the Wizards would be more devastated. So right. it, what's it take? A no-trade clause for him to say yes? All right, give it to him. Yep. Why, why, are we, why are we haggling over this thing? We're, we're the more desperate party. The Nets need to create a market of desperate parties. And then they can play them off of one another. And then they can get more out of the deal. If you are a team that's interested in acquiring them, the other thing about dragging it out is, presumably, given if the, the Nets give Durant permission to talk, these teams can make a pitch like, hey, man, like, consider us. Like, yeah. If you're Toronto, if you're New Orleans, like, we do have the assets. We can make a deal and still have a really good team with you afterwards. Give us a chance, man. Like, you know, I know we weren't one of your picks, but get us on the list. So for me, and we'll get you out of here on this, for me, so before when all this started to come out, I, I bet Toronto win the finals at 50 to 1, right? Mm -hmm. Because I was like, if there's a guy that can get Kevin Durant in a room and right. be like, bro, like we can do this. Yeah. I think it's Masai Ujiri, right? Uh -huh. Like they have a really good track record. They can draft and develop talent. And I, and I think a lot of people, like when it comes to that, my thought was it's not just about next year because a lot of people, especially in the betting world, it's just focused on what is this right. team going to look like next. But Ujiri's like, look, man, we got a track record of drafting and developing guys. You stick it out with us for four years. We've been one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference in the next few right. seasons. Right. And, and, you know, the, the, don't forget about the coach, Nick Nurse, yep. who was – my G League head coach when I was in Phoenix, our, our affiliate was in Iowa. Nick Nurse was our head coach. So, awesome. He, and he's one of the best coaches in the league. He's creative and, and, and really has an open mind about things. Um, and they've got a great staff. It's not just Masai over there. Yeah. It's Bobby Webster. It's my guy, Patrick. It's Teresa Rash. It's all, like, they've got a, a great staff that does a, a hell of a job scouting globally, developing talent, and finding talent wherever it is, whether it's in the draft, whether it's down the road at the 905, the G League affiliate. They find talent, they develop talent, and then they make that talent play. It's not dissimilar to what they do down in Miami. The difference is 
these guys have assets that they can afford to give up, and Miami doesn't really have enough. Yep. Amino has it again, uh, if I get them all right. Series X MNBA, Basketball Illuminati, yep. and uh, Cinephobe. Right, yes, Cinephobe. Absolutely. What do you do on that pod, by the way? Oh, we watch movies that are poorly rated on Rotten Tomatoes and try to ascertain whether they are accurately poorly rated or maybe, just maybe, they didn't get a fair shake. It's me, it's Zach Harper. It's produced by Anthony Mays. You get it wherever you get podcasts. And right now we're in the middle of Alien Month. Okay. So this week, Thursday, yeah. dropped a new episode, Battleship, starring uh, yeah. Rihanna, yep. uh, my guy Liam Neeson, no, no, yep. no, 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 Taylor Kitsch, the dude from True Blood, whose name is Alex Skarsgård, that's yeah. his name, yeah. It's a terrible movie, but it's got a great podcast episode. Dope. Appreciate it, man. Thank you very much. No problem.